Hello, my name is Lucy Henkel, and I work for the Delaware County Health Department. This is a podcast on the genetic disorder called SMA. My twin brother Pete had SMA, and he died from it about 10 months ago. To start out with some background on SMA, it stands for spinal muscular atrophy. The spinal cord is where most of the nerve cells that control muscles are in the body. The primary effect of this disease is on the muscles because they don't receive signals from the motor nerve cells in the spinal cord. Atrophy is the medical term for wasting or shrinkage, which is what eventually happens to the muscles of people with SMA because of the lack of movement. Therefore, SMA is classified as a motor neuron disease. It is the number one genetic cause of death for infants. There are four different types that vary in time of onset, speed of progression, and amount of strength the affected person has. Type 4 is the strongest and latest onset, while type 1 is the weakest and earliest onset. My brother Pete had type 2. The way a baby has a chance of being born with SMA is if both of its parents are carriers. To be a carrier means you don't show any symptoms of SMA, but you only have one copy of a gene called SMN1. 1 in 40 people is a carrier of SMA. If two carriers have children, there's a 25% chance per child that it will have SMA. There's also a 50% chance per child that they will be born as a carrier but not actually have SMA. There's also a 25% chance that the child will not have SMA nor be a carrier. For example, my family has four kids. My twin brother was affected by SMA, and if the odds work out precisely, two of the other three children would be carriers and one of us would not be affected at all. To clarify, if one child in a family is born with SMA, the 25% chance of the other children being born with SMA after it does not decrease. I know a family where all four kids were born with SMA. Now I will talk about the causes and effects of SMA. Most cases of SMA are caused by a deficiency of the motor neuron protein called SMN. SMN stands for Survival of Motor Neurons and is necessary for normal motor neuron function. A person affected by SMA inherits two faulty SMN1 genes, which results in their body being forced to resort to SMN2. SMN2 is a backup gene that creates the same necessary proteins as SMN1, but a truncated and shorter version of them. The more SMN proteins there are in the motor neurons, the milder the disease will be. This determines which type of SMA a person has. SMA and its effects on the body progress and worsen as the affected person gets older. Things they could do their entire life start to become harder until SMA robs them of those abilities. An example that I saw firsthand in my brother was his voice. Many kids with SMA that I've met over the years have had trouble speaking loudly and clearly. I never thought that that would happen to Pete, but in the last year of his life, his voice started to sound like those of many other people with SMA, and it became a little harder to understand him. Some people with type 1 SMA never get the chance to speak in their lifetime. Scoliosis is common in people with SMA because of their inability to hold themselves upright. Pete had scoliosis and the doctors decided to put rods in his back to straighten him up, which is what many people with SMA end up having to do. This is a very complicated surgery and leads to many follow-up surgeries. The rods weaken the ribs that they are attached to and in many cases, including Pete's, they cause broken ribs. Because the lungs are weaker, many people with SMA end up dying from a breathing problem that puts them into cardiac arrest. That is what happened to Pete. Next, I'm going to talk about how people have presented legislation about SMA. 
Most of this has to do with new treatments and newborn screening. On December 23, 2016, a treatment for SMA got approved by the FDA for the first time ever. Its brand name is Spinraza and the name of the medicine is Nusinersen. Now that there is an official treatment, it makes a lot more sense to have SMA on the newborn screening panel. This would mean that SMA is one of the diseases that newborns are tested for in the hospital. This way, they would know that the baby has SMA immediately and can start them on Spinraza right away. This would slow the progression of SMA immensely and can actually result in type 2 babies, the second weakest type, barely showing symptoms later in life. This has been proved by many real-life studies. In July 2018, Secretary Azar, the Secretary of Health and Human Services, recommended adding SMA to the newborn screening panel. He was encouraged to do this by many congressmen and senators. Even before this letter of recommendation was made official, states were trying to get SMA on the newborn screening panel. This recommendation makes it much easier, and now many states in America are trying to get it on the panel, while some already have. Each state votes individually on this. Some factors that make some people hesitant to put SMA on the newborn screening panel are figuring out how to test for it, the cost of the screening, and the plan they have to devise for how to direct people once they find out their child has SMA. I decided to ask someone with personal experience on this last one, my mom. Mom, based on your personal experiences, why do you think it's important to devise a plan on how to direct people once they find out their child has SMA? It's important because when you get a serious diagnosis, it's a very emotional time. Um, So I'd say that's an important factor, but also the fact that there is evidence that the sooner, the better uh, regarding treatment for SMA. So if you are able to get your child into a treatment program for SMA as soon as possible, then the symptoms of their SMA should be less severe. To add on to what my mom said, the doctors that told my parents about Pete's diagnosis left them with barely any information on SMA and not much hope for Pete's future. The Secretary of Health of Pennsylvania, Dr. Rachel Levin, has approved SMA to be added to the newborn screening panel, contingent on the funds being available. Simply put, she wants it to be added as long as we have enough money to pay for the screenings. Newborn screenings can get very expensive because screening every single baby adds up to a lot of money. An estimated 13 babies with SMA are born each year in Pennsylvania, so some congressmen don't think the cost is worth it. If SMA was on newborn screening panels everywhere, it would improve and even save many lives. It is very important because the earlier a baby receives Spinraza, the less SMA progresses and the stronger they can become, as my mom said. There is nothing that can be done to completely stop SMA from occurring because it's a genetic disease, but the new treatment that we have shows how much closer we're getting to a cure. If SMA is on newborn screening panels everywhere, it would at least improve the problem of SMA. Also, Spinraza needs to be made much more easily accessible to everyone. Currently, it is very expensive and some insurance companies refuse to pay for it. In these cases, a company called Biogen has a policy where if your health insurance denies you twice, they will pay for your Spinraza. Biogen is the company that markets Spinraza. Despite there not being a cure, there are some ways citizens can help with SMA. Going to or having fundraisers and donating money are great ways to help make it easier for scientists and doctors to perform research and also to pay for Spinraza. 
In addition, raising awareness of SMA and the fact that there's a treatment now is very helpful for people who know nothing about it when their child is diagnosed, especially as more children are becoming diagnosed with newborn screening. That concludes my podcast on SMA. Thank you for listening.